So, thank you for having me with you this morning. Please sit. Asante Thank you to Pastor Emmanuel for inviting me to come and join with you today. You know, as he was speaking about me, he said, I think of Alan as a Nehemiah. And I want to make sure you understand something. If Nehemiah was a one who rebuilt and, and when Emmanuel and I were talking some time back he said you can come help build us up and I told him in movies I said wait we can't build until we know the foundation is good Amen if the rain comes and it's the biggest rain Kenya's ever seen. And this church building falls down. And we see the reason the church fell down is because the foundation was no good. Can we rebuild the church on the same foundation knowing it was no good? No. We have to take the foundation and make it good before we rebuild. Amen. 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 So, your theme for this time that you have together is out of Isaiah 25. I want to read these verses again. And I want to begin taking these verses apart so we understand them well. Amen. Amen. Before we do that, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your presence here. You promise in your word that wherever two or three are gathered in your name, that you're there with us. And so we believe that you're here with us because you promise it. Because we believe your Holy Spirit is here with us. Your Holy Spirit is the teacher. It is the teacher of all things. And so Father, as we look in your word, I pray your Holy Spirit would teach us. Help us to take in all the things you have to show us today. Help us to grow in our wisdom of you. And help our faith to grow. We love you. We praise your name today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, Isaiah 25, starting in verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meat and the finest of wine. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud, 
that enfolds all people. The sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. And he will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. Now I want to stop there. You know, it's easy for us as believers to read something like this and to see that God will wipe away our tears and he'll prepare a banquet for us and miss the point. Because we see the good that God promises. It's easy to see that good promise and miss what God's trying to show us. Amen. Amen. I want to give you some examples of how easy it is to misunderstand God's word. Amen. Amen. If I hire you to come work in my shamba, and I tell you this month I need this done. I want you to plow the field. I want you to plant the seeds. I want you to spread the fertilizer. And at the end of the month, I'll give you 5,000 shillings for good work. You say, okay. It's a good job. It's going to come with good pay. Amen. Amen. At the end of the month, I come to you. Nothing's been done. There was no plowing. No seeds have been planted. There's no manure around. But he still wants to be paid. I promised you I would pay you 5,000 shillings for good work. The promise was good. But the promise has a requirement. Amen. Amen. If you don't fulfill the requirement, I'm not going to give you the promise. Amen. Amen. How many of you have children? How many of you want those children to do well in school? You want your children to do well in school. Okay. You can tell your children. If you bring home good grades. When you bring your report card. If you have an A. I'll give you 50 bub. For every A. You work hard in school. And when you bring that report, I promise, I'll give you 50 bucks for every A. If you bring home six A's, 300 shillings. It's for you. You work hard, 
I give you my promise. David, when your child, when your son or your daughter brings home that report, and that report is D, D minus, E, E, D, are you giving them the reward? No, because they didn't do their part. Amen. That's the way God works with us. His word is full of promises. But those promises, they come with a requirement for us. Amen. Isaiah 40. Verse 31. Just make a note. Don't spend time looking it up. Just write down a note so you can go back and look later. Isaiah 40 verse 31 that's one of the verses many people love to claim in their life that verse tells us that we will run and not grow faint when we get weary God will renew our strength when we go through things in life we will rise up like a, a, the wings of an eagle we will fly we read those kinds of verses and we want to say I want that promise of God in my life when I get weary I want God to give me strength Amen. Amen. When, I, when I'm not working hard, I want God to lift me up. It is a promise of God. But it has a requirement. If you go and look at the verse, the first part of that verse is, but those who wait upon the Lord. They are the ones who rise up, who are renewed, who are strengthened, who rise above all the things in this earth. If you don't wait upon the Lord, He's not going to lift you up. The requirement is wait upon Him. The promise is He'll do these things for you. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? The promises of God are almost always reserved for those who fill the requirement. Amen. Amen. That's why it's important that you fully understand all of God's word and not just something somebody tells you. Amen. I say all of that because I want us to look at what God's trying to show us in Isaiah 25. Amen. Amen. Of course, we all want God to wipe away our tears. Amen. Amen. We all want to be at a banquet where God is 
congratulating us on good things we've done. Amen. Who doesn't want that in their life? Anyone that believes in God wants that in their life. The question is, what's the requirement? How do we find ourselves sitting at that banquet table? Amen. Amen. When you when you have a banquet in Kenya, you prepare a feast. You tell everyone to come. But if your enemy comes, are you going to invite him in? No. The ones you invite are the ones that are coming for the banquet. Amen. It's like if you don't have an invitation, you're not allowed in. Amen. So I want us to look at another place in scripture that tells us some of these same things. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. Chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 15. And I want you to just listen for how much this sounds like what we read in Isaiah. Verse 15, it says, Therefore, they are before the throne of God. And they serve him day and night in the temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them. Nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Amen. Do you see Isaiah and Revelation? The vision that God gave Isaiah about things that will come. And the vision that God gave John about things that are yet to come. Those visions are the same. Amen. 
There are so much similarity, even though Isaiah was written about 600 years before John. One of the basic things we know about God. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen. He's the beginning and the end. He was here before all things. And he'll be here after all things. Amen. So he's the same God for Isaiah that shows Isaiah something about God. That's the same God that shows John something about God. And he's the same God that's still showing us things about him today. Amen. But I want to look at something that John tells us that Isaiah didn't know. Amen. John gives us more information. And that's why I want us to look at this, this text in comparison to the one in Isaiah. So we read Revelation chapter 7. We read 15, 16, and 17. I want us to go back just a bit. And read 13 and 14. Amen. Amen. It says in 13. One of the elders asked me. These in white robes, who are they? And, and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Amen. John's giving us a little bit more information than what Isaiah gave us. Amen. Amen. Because the piece of information John gives us is who is at this feast. Who, is, who gets to be in that banquet? Who gets to have the choice meat? The fine wine. Who will never hunger again? Who will never thirst again? And who will have every tear wiped? Who is it? That's what John tells us. Amen. And so, the thing that John tells us, the one sitting there, that come from the great tribulation. Amen. I want us to understand what the tribulation is today. Because the tribulation is what's going to determine whether or not you're in that banquet or not. Amen. John tells us the ones at that banquet 
are the ones who come out of the tribulation. Yohana anasema watakao ruhusiwa katika hiyo karamu ni wale wametoka katika dhiki kuu. That means if you want to be at the table if you want God to wipe away your tears you have to come from the tribulation Amen I want us to really understand the tribulation Amen Now when this Bible was written it was not written in English and it was not written in Kiswahili Amen The Old Testament was mostly written in Hebrew. The New Testament was mostly written in Greek. And so when when we translate from Greek to another language, it's important that we understand what that word means. Amen. Amen. If you're talking to someone in Kiswahili. Ukiongea na mtu katika Kiswahili. Amen. Amen. You might say kubwa. Unasema kubwa. Right? But kubwa can mean many different things, can't it? Kubwa inaweza maanisha maneno tofauti mengi. Amen. In English, I might use a lot of different words. Katika Kiingereza ina msururu mdhiririko wa maneno mengine. Amen. I might use words like large. Big. All kinds of different words, but in Kiswahili you might just say kuba for all of them. Because the languages are just different. Amen. Amen. And so if I was listening to a conversation you were having, And I take a sentence that you said. And in that sentence you use the word kuba. I need to go and understand what kuba means. It can mean this, it can mean this. And so it's the same when we when we study God's word. And we look at a word like tribulation. For me, I have never used the word tribulation. In, in just a conversation. It's not a common word. Amen. Are you with me? It's not a common word. So then I have to understand better what does that word mean? So let me tell you about the Greek word. The Greek word that we get tribulation from. It is flipsis. Flipsis. Okay? That's the Greek word. And the most basic meaning of that word. Is pressure. Amen. Pressure. Like something's pushing in on you. Amen. So what we are looking at is that the great tribulation that God's saying the ones at that feast. They came out of the pressure. Amen. Pressure. 
things pushing in on you. Amen. Uh-huh. Now, Sasa, this word is used many other places in scripture. And so to understand what God means when he says pressure. The best way to understand it is look at other ways God uses that word. Amen. Amen. That's the way we can understand what he means by pressure. Okay, in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus was telling a parable. And it's the parable of the sower. If you remember that that parable. Jesus said the God the word of God is like a man sowing seeds. Some of those seeds they fall in the weeds. Some of those seeds they fall among the rocks. He gave us several different examples of seed being spread in different places. And the best is when the seed falls in good soil. Amen. That's when God's word falls on our heart and it's received well. And Jesus used parables to make things easy for us to understand. Amen. But here's the thing. In this parable, Jesus talks about that pressure. What he says is the seed that falls on rocky soil. The roots are not good. Because the soil is too rocky. Amen. Amen. But the word of God is received and that, that root, the plant begins to grow quickly. Amen. The, the plant begins to grow quickly and the plant is excited about God's promises. But because the soil is not good and because the roots are not strong here's what Jesus says. He says the pressure the pressure of this life squeezes that plant and it falls away quickly because the roots were not good Amen. Amen the pressure of this world that pressure is the same pressure that we're talking about that if you can make it through that you'll be at that table the banquet with God amen 
Jesus said the pressure can make us fall away. Another time in John chapter 6. Jesus was talking about that he is the bread of life. Amen. And many people at, the, at this point it says that Jesus had many followers. But it says that when Jesus began to teach about that I am the bread of life. If you go and read John chapter 6. It says many of them said this teaching is too hard. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I, I don't know what I think about this whole bread of life thing. And it says many turned and left and never came back. Because the pressures of understanding who God really is. The pressure pushed them away. And you know Jesus He turned to his 12 disciples And he said Are you leaving too? And the disciples chose to stay Amen So the thing about pressure Pressure will Make those who are shallow the shallow roots. The pressure will cause them to fall away, run away. Amen. Amen. Think about what's happening with the disciples and that crowd. The disciples are working hard for their roots of understanding who Jesus was. They're working for those roots to grow deep. But the crowds are just following Jesus to see the miracles. To see the, to hear the amazing teachings. They're not there because they want their roots to grow deep. And so when God's word begins to put a little bit of pressure. Most of them run away. It's only the twelve who are working on their roots. They can, they can stand the pressure. And they choose to stay with Jesus. Amen. So, John chapter 16. You don't have to turn there, but write it down. John chapter 16. Verse 33. Jesus said, in this life. You will have. Troubles. You will have. Troubles. That word for troubles. That's the same word. In Greek. That's the same word. 
Jesus is telling you and he's telling me, he's telling every one of us in this life. Don't misunderstand me. In this life, the pressure is going to come. No one lives this life that has no pressure. The pressure of being a father and trying to provide for your family. The pressure of being a mother and trying to help raise your children the right way. The pressure even for children, they're in school and they know that education is a hope for their future. The pressure is pushing down on every single one of us. And Jesus was saying, don't misunderstand God. God's not promising you a life without pressure. Yesu amugwa aidi kwamba maisha yako binafsi ya kwamba hautapitia mateso. In fact, Jesus said, in this life you will have pressure. Yesu anasema katika maisha haya dhiki hautakosa. Troubles and pressure will come. Dhiki na shida na matatizo yatakuja. Amen. There are many churches you can go to in Kenya. There are many churches all over the world. Especially in America. And they will preach to you that God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be wealthy. God wants you to have everything you desire. And I'm telling you today. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said in this life. Troubles are coming. Pressure is coming. And if all you want is a good life. If all you want is for life to be easy because I love Jesus. You don't understand the basics of what Jesus said. Amen. Amen. Jesus himself guarantees pressure and troubles will come to you. Amen. He guarantees it. Amen. Amen. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus was talking about eternity. This, this banquet we're reading about in Isaiah and Revelation. This is looking into eternity. And so Jesus was teaching in Matthew 7 about eternity. And Jesus said, the road to get there is narrow. It's narrow. It's not wide. And very few find it. This is why. Jesus knew that pressures are coming. Especially if you follow him. 
The pressure of life is coming on you. And Jesus said, make no mistake. I'm not promising you a life without trouble. Amen. And Jesus knew that because of the pressure, most people won't find it. Amen. The statistics in the world. They say that three billion people are Christians. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that? They say that in Kenya, 80% of Kenya is Christian. Do you believe that? Do you? I'll tell you this much. It's not what Jesus said. Amen. Amen. Jesus said the road is narrow. Jesus said few, only a few will find the right way. So how can almost half of the world's population be Christian? If Jesus said only a few will find it. Amen. Amen. How can 80% of Kenya be Christian if Jesus said few will find it? Amen. Amen. Do you hear me this morning? Jesus speaks the truth. Amen. Amen. So let's look again at Revelation chapter 7. Because now that we understand a little bit about this pressure, I want us to look again at, the, at the, what we looked at in Revelation. And here's what it says. In verse 17. It says the lamb at the center of the throne. Amen. The lamb at the center of the throne. Now here's something I want you to understand. Amen. For Jesus to be seated at the center of the throne in eternity in heaven he has to be sitting on the center of your throne in this life amen Jesus has to be the center of everything you do in this life Every decision you make. Every conversation you have. Every time you interact with someone. Everything you do in this life. 
Jesus has to be sitting on that throne. Or he won't be sitting on the throne in eternity for you. Amen. Everything you do, Jesus should be in that process. Every dealings you have with another person, Jesus should be a part of the process. Every decision you make, who will I marry? Who will I marry? Where will I go to school? What career will I have? What am I going to do with my future? What am I going to do with the rest of my today? Every single thing. Jesus has to be the center of it. I'm going to marry him because he loves the Lord and we can do ministry together as a family. I'm going to go to this school because this school will develop my gift God's given me to be able to do ministry better. I'm going to have another child so that I can help grow God's kingdom. I'm going to be the father God calls me to be. I'm going to be the husband God calls me to be. I'm going to be the wife God calls me to be. The mother God calls me to be. The son, the daughter that God calls me to be in his word. I'm going to do that to bring glory to God's name. That is how your everyday has to function. So that when you get to that eternity, transitioning from Jesus sitting on the throne of this life to Jesus sitting on the throne in eternity, it looks the same for you. He's on the throne in eternity because he was on the throne in my life. Amen. Amen. He's the king of the kings in heaven. And he was the king of my life here. Amen. Amen. I will bow in front of him in heaven. Because I laid my life in front of him here. Every day, everything, he has to be the centerpiece. Amen. Amen. That's how we get to that point. It also says in this same verse. It says the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. Amen. There are many, many times that Jesus talked about being the shepherd. 
He said, I am the good shepherd. Amen. Amen. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus was again talking about things in eternity, things in heaven. And Jesus was teaching the people and he said, you know, one day, one day all people and it says specifically every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people will stand in front of the judge. And the shepherd who is Jesus the shepherd will take the goats he will take the goats and the sheep and he will separate them. Amen. Amen. And he will take the sheep and he will put them by his right side. Amen. Amen. Now I could I could preach to you for two hours what Jesus is talking about about being sheep. But I'm going to make it short. When Jesus is talking about the sheep Jesus says the sheep know my voice. They know me. When I call them, they answer. You want to be a sheep when God separates the sheep and the goats? Learn to know his voice now. When his voice calls, answer. And obey. Amen. Amen. The goats on the other hand. Because it says Jesus separates the sheep. Yes, to the right side. The goats. To the left side. Let me tell you what goats are. Goats are those who are just pretending. They're a fraud. They're just pretending. They come to church every Sunday. But they're goats. Because they're not really living for Jesus. They come every Sunday. They're here every time the doors are open. But you know that when they walk out this door, nothing's ever changed in their life. They've not surrendered anything in their life to Jesus. And churches are full of goats. Churches in Kenya, churches in America, churches all over the world. They're full of goats. Amen? And the interesting thing about the goats is at the end, on that day, they're going to say, Jesus is going to say, I, I don't know you. I don't know you and you're, you're not coming in. You need to go. Because I don't know you. And the thing about those goats, those goats are going to say, but, but Jesus, I was, in, I was in church. I sat in the front row every Sunday. 
kila jumapili Jesus I, I, I have a bible nilikuwa na biblia mkononi I never read it but I have a bible mimi nilikuwa na biblia yangu and you know sometimes I would pray like you know when I wanted something mimi niliomba nikitaji kitu kwako Come on, Jesus let me in eh Yesu wacha niingie niingie Jesus will say I, I don't know you. Yes, Those goats believe that when they get to the end, that they're going to be allowed to come in. They do. They believe that. They believe that coming to church or doing other things is what's going to get them into heaven. But Jesus made it very clear. That you come in because I know you. You come in because you're my sheep and I'm your shepherd. You come in because you know my voice and when I call on you you answer. That's how you come to the banquet. You can never ever in your life step foot in a church. And go to the banquet. Amen. Are you with me? Whether you come on Sunday or don't come on Sunday. Does not determine whether or not you get to join Jesus. Amen. Now I'm not telling you not to come back on Sunday. Amen. Don't get confused. About what Jesus is talking about. Amen. Now. In Luke 14. And this is where the pressure is going to become very evident. In Luke chapter 14. Jesus is teaching the disciples. And he's telling them about the cost to follow me. And he says, if you're going to build a house, if you're going to build a house don't you count the cost first don't you need to know how much it's going to cost before you start building amen, amen. Jesus said why would you start building a house and you get the you get the foundation done. And you get that wall done. And you get this wall done. You get this wall done. But now you've run out of money. You don't have any money to build this wall. You don't have any money to put the roof on. What a fool you look like in your village. Amen? Amen. That's what Jesus said. Why would you start building and you don't even know if you have enough money to finish? You're going to look like a fool if you don't count the cost first. Amen. 
this is what Jesus said about the cost of following him. Because Jesus wanted to make it very clear. He wanted you to understand very clearly. That following him. Is not just some prayer you say. And then you just come to church. And everything's good. That's not the gospel of Jesus. Amen. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, before you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, count the cost. Jesus said, I want you to know ahead of time, this is what it's going to cost. And if you're not willing to pay it, don't say you follow me. And here comes the pressure. Amen. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to be willing to forsake your mother and your father. When your mother and father tell you no, if you if you leave this house and go to that church, if you pray in this house again, I'm going to beat you until you're unconscious. You have to be willing to forsake your mother and father. Jesus said, if you're not willing to pay that price, don't say you follow me. Amen. Amen. He said, you have to be willing to forsake your husband or your wife. Amen. Your wife says, no, 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 don't, don't go to that prayer meeting. I want you to stay home. I, I'm not sure about this whole Jesus thing. Can you stay home with me today? Said you have to be willing to forsake your husband or your wife. When they won't walk with Jesus with you, you have to be willing to walk away from them to stay with Jesus. Amen. You have to be willing to forsake your sons and your daughters. Amen. When your children choose to go the wrong way in life. And Jesus says, come, I have something for you to do. Come. And you say, but, but I, my, my daughter's not doing well. I need, to, I need to be here to take care of her. Come follow me. And Jesus said, if you're not willing to forsake them, don't say you follow me. Because you follow them. You follow your husband. You, you, you support your mother and father more than you support me. You're more interested in making sure mom and dad are happy. You're more interested in making sure your children are healthy. 
unataka kupoteza muda ufanye watoto wako kuwa na afya sana then you are following me sasa wewe hapo umekataa kunifuata so jesus was telling you yesu alikuwa anakuambia if you're not willing to make those kinds of sacrifices kama uko tayari kujinyima kwa mambo fulani stay home with the ones that are important to you because I'm not important to you. Your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband, your mother, your father, that's what's important to you. You stay with them. Amen. Amen. This is the pressure. Amen. This is the pressure that Jesus is talking about. You want to go to that banquet? You got to survive the pressure. Amen. The next thing Jesus said. He said you got to be willing to forsake your family. But the next thing he said is. You have to be willing to forsake you. You have to be willing to allow you to die. Who you thought you were. What you wanted to do in this life. The things you always thought were important. The dreams you have for your future. You have to be willing for all of that to die. Amen. If you're not willing to do that. If you're not willing to let me die. Jesus said, just stay home. Because you won't survive the pressure. Amen. You won't survive the pressure. You're going to leave something and you're going to start following Jesus. And everyone around you is going to tell you you're a fool. You had a good job. You had a good family. You had good things in your life. What's wrong with you following Jesus? And that pressure is going to squeeze you. And you're going to go running back. Amen. So Jesus is saying, count the cost ahead of time. Know the cost ahead of time. Yes, Because what an embarrassment to begin building your life on Jesus. And you get a wall of your life built. You get a wall in your life built. But then the pressure comes. And you go running back to your old ways. You go running back to your family that needs you. You go running back to that old life. You are an embarrassment in the village. Because you show them God's not who he says he is. 
Because you can't handle the pressure. You show everyone that's watching you. I told you Christianity was a fraud. I told you Christianity was a fake. I told you Jesus wasn't real. Amen. I told you it wasn't real. And here's how I know. Because this one, she started to give her life to Jesus. And then she ran away because it wasn't real. This one was a deacon in the church. This one was a deacon in the church. But then he got married. And no one's ever seen him in church again. Because his wife is more important than following Jesus. And out in the village, people begin to know Jesus and the ways of Jesus are a fraud. So Jesus was telling you, before you decide you want to follow me, before you get up and say, I believe in Jesus, before you do that, understand. Understand what it's going to cost you. Because if you can't pay the price, Jesus said, stay home. If you can't be one of the twelve, that that day they said, yes, I still follow you. The teaching is hard. But I'm going to stay with you. If you can't be one of the twelve, Jesus said, just go back home. Because I really want those who will follow me. Jesus said, following him will cost you everything. Amen? Amen. And here's the problem with that pressure. That pressure of life. You know, some people think that they can, they can, I, I can handle the pressure of the world. And I can handle the pressure of following Jesus. I can do both. And so they try to walk halfway and halfway. Sunday I believe in Jesus and I go to church Monday I go back to work and I'm not so much a Christian oh but then we have home fellowship on Tuesday I'm a Christian again uh, but then on Thursday my all the guys were going to we're going to town to get into a little bit of trouble. I'm back down here now. And then on Friday we're having a kesham. I'm a Christian again. And we go back and forth and back and forth. 
And what Jesus knew. You can't do both. You cannot be a sheep and a goat. You can't be both. You're either a sheep or you're a goat. And if you don't believe me, you go look all over Kenya, go look all over Africa, and you bring me one that's half goat and half sheep. When you find it, you call me. It says Jesus is at the center of the table. It says every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And it tells us exactly who will be there. The ones who have come out of the pressure. You make it through the pressure. You survive the pressure of this world. And you stand strong. On your faith. And Jesus is bringing you to the table. And it says the blood of the lamb. Has washed their garments. Amen. And now they're white again. So here's the picture. This life, there's no way we can stay clean. Amen? This life brings trouble. This life brings pressure. And it wears us out. Amen? Amen. It makes us tired. It makes us dirty. But the promise of God here is that if we can get through all of that, standing strong on our faith in Him, then when we get there, the blood of the Lamb, He'll take your clothes, your garments. And then Jesus will personally take your garments white as snow. And then then welcome you in. Amen. Amen. The reality is we we just cannot preach a a gentle gospel. Amen. We can't tell people that God loves you and that's the end of the story. Amen. Yes. God loves people. God loves people so much that sitting in heaven, he sent his son 
Uona mwana wake, he seen his son, so his son could be betrayed. Mwana wake akasalitiwa by his only friends in this life. Na marafiki wake wapeke. They all left him. Wote walimkimbia kwa mwana. They all watched him getting beaten over. Until he was bleeding and bleeding from his back. They put a crown of thorns on his head. You've seen these big thorns around. Thorns crushing down into his head. And blood coming from his head. Then they put him on the cross. And they put a nail. I wish it. Well, the nail they used was almost this big. It was almost as big as a microphone. One here. Hey, but they're bigger than this. They're bigger than this. They're closer to this. One here. One here. And one in his feet. There is no greater love than what God did for us. So don't Leave here and say that I'm telling you that God doesn't love people because he does. God loves you more than you can even imagine. If you sit down and you think about God's love, we can't understand it. Amen. God loved you so much that if there was one person on this planet one person if you were the only person on this planet the only human being God loved you so much he would still send Jesus to die just for you that's how much God loves us but the reality of the gospel according to what Jesus taught is that the story doesn't stop there amen the story doesn't stop with God loves you amen the story continues with Jesus amen Jesus requires us to sacrifice ourselves like he sacrificed for us. Yes, It is only through total surrender. Complete surrender. That we can actually stand the pressure. Because when you fully surrender, what does God's word say? It says, when you are weak, I am strong. Amen? Amen. And so when we surrender, 
What we're actually doing is we're turning over the control and the power in our lives to the one who has all the power. Amen. The problem with us as humans. We want to feel like we have control. I want to know where my money is going to come from to take care of the next thing I need in this life. God calls us and he says, just trust me. Don't trust yourself. Because you can't do it anyway. Just surrender everything to me. Surrender all of it to me. Jesus said, What good is it if you gain everything in this life? But then you get to heaven's door one day. And he says, I never knew you. Jesus said, isn't it better? Isn't it better that you lose everything now? Lose your home, lose your family, lose all those things. And at the end, Jesus says, Come. Come with me. Come to the banquet. You stood strong with me. Your faith never failed. Even through all the hard things, you stood strong. It's better you lost all that stuff. And at the end, you get that great reward. Amen. God Himself will live with us again. That's the biggest part of the promise. I want us to look at one last scripture. We're staying in Revelation, but turn to 21 with me. Revelation chapter 21. And again, we see some of this in the coming. Revelation 21, verse 3. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. And he will live with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And the one seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Amen. Amen. That's the greatest part of the promise that we don't see. Yes, the banquet sounds nice. But if we make it through the pressure, the greatest reward is that at the end we're going to walk with God Himself. 
You know when God created this earth To go back and read Genesis When God created this earth He was walking in the garden with Adam God and Adam were walking Talking They they were best friends. They walk, they talk, they spend time together. And that's actually how God intended for it to stay. Until man messed it all up. The promise is that if we stay strong, you make it through the pressure. God's going to walk with you. Amen. He's going to walk with you like he's your own brother. Like he's your own father, hand in hand. Come on, let's go walk and talk. Come on. Come on, let's go walk and let's talk. Let's, let's just be together. That's the best part of the promise. Amen. And at that point, the Bible comes full circle. The way he designed the world to operate. Finally. Finally it will operate that way. Finally his people will just walk with him. Finally his people will just live with him. Amen. And so as you continue with your conference. As you spend your, your days together and you continue talking about Isaiah chapter 25. I wanted to remind you first. That the promises of God to achieve that promise God almost always says come I need you to do something first. Amen. And I want you to understand that yes we want to be at that banquet. We want to be there in Isaiah chapter 25 when he's wiping away our tears and it says there shall be no more pain no more death but to get there we have to stand the pressure and Jesus himself said the pressure is coming make sure you're ready make sure you're willing and then just stand firm on God and on God's Trust in Him and He'll carry you through. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.